Nothing like a little skillet to get the show started off today. Welcome in, guys. My name is Sam Mann, and I am your podcast host here with the Unshakable Podcast. Hey, guys, listen, we're just going to dig right in today because I've got something I want to just share from my heart, uh, something the Lord has really just been speaking to me, a lot of stuff over the past year and a half that I have not been recording episodes. I'm back, baby. Here I come. I'm about to start throwing some stuff at you. Hey guys, listen, if you haven't um, already done so, please share the podcast uh, with your friends. Let, bring them on board. Get them in here. Let's start doing this, guys. We are the church. We are the body. It is time for us to wake up from our slumber. It is time for us to get to work. So I want you to join me in doing that, guys, as we, as we jump into this. Listen, I'm back. And here we go. We are about to dive in with something that I hate to use a cliche, but it is a pet peeve of mine. Listen, guys, there's a lot of churches out there who are looking to fill lead or senior pastoral roles all over the country in the United States, all over. And I'm on these websites and I look like I get notifications, you know, pretty consistently on some of these uh, quote unquote Christian job boards. Um, this basically like a, uh, an indeed for church jobs is basically what it is. And these job descriptions, guys, these things, Oh man, I don't even know where to start with this, honestly, but I'm just, I'm, I'm going to throw some things at you because here's the thing this year, 2023 marks 20 years that I've been in the ministry, whether it has been as a student pastor in evangelism outreach uh, as men's ministry, um, as an associate pastor, whatever the case may be, you know, now I'm sort of freelance ministry. My ministry is more so outside the church right now. That's just where God has had me uh, for the last few years. Um, you know, I'll share with you that over the last year and a half since I've been away from the podcast, I took a little break, had to uh, for uh, uh, personal reasons, but I had to take a little break. But during that period of time, God laid a couple of books on my heart. Uh, ended up uh, writing and publishing a couple of more books. Uh, uh, you may already know I've got the one, Rooted the Unshakable Christian, which is available on Amazon. Uh, you can find it there. Again, that's Rooted the Unshakable Christian. Um, and then last September, Elevate the Thriving Disciple, uh, which is about taking your life as a disciple to the next level. Um, elevating. Um, that's where that, uh, uh, title came from. And then the other one is called broken pieces and, um, it's dealing with emotional wounds from a biblical perspective. And I did this from a personal perspective. There's a lot of my story in that book, uh, uh from my childhood and some emotional wounds that I suffered and actually had carried with me, uh, for my entire life. And I didn't even realize it until some things came up back early in the year, which I will discuss in a later episode. Um, but I want to dig into this because 20 years in the ministry, and the reason I bring all that up is because over the course of my years in ministry, I've seen a lot of ministerial job description. And if I'm being honest, most of these job descriptions lack a biblical foundation. I'm just going to lay it out there and say it like it is. And in fact, most follow a standard worldly job description type layout format. Uh, whatever you want to call it there. So, and, and I, I pulled the three real life examples uh, from this website and uh, I'm not going to name the website. Uh, and, and I'm also not going to name the churches. 
Uh, and these are just three random churches that I clicked on who are looking to fill senior pastoral roles in their church. And they're the first three that I clicked on. I didn't click on any others. I, I did not go through this website looking for uh, job descriptions that are, are fall under my pet peeve. That's not what I did. Three churches, they were three for three. Okay. So I want to read some of these, uh, the, some elements of these job descriptions. So I'll start off. A bachelor's degree in ministry is required. A seminary degree is preferred. Has served as a pastor with a minimum of five years experience. Must agree with this church's, again, I'm keeping their names silent, agree with this church's confession of faith and constitution. Um, in example number two, a bachelor's degree from an accredited college or university, a master's degree or doctorate of theology and or a divinity degree is required. 10 plus years of senior level pastoral ministry experience with an established, get this, Baptist church. Uh, example number three, hold a degree from an accredited Bible college or seminary, preferably Southern Baptist at graduate level. Uh, be able to teach orthodox biblical truth in agreement with, quote unquote, this church's covenant and the Baptist faith and message. Have a minimum of five years of experience as a pastor. Related vocational ministry experience will also be considered. Oh, guys, where do I start? Where do I start? So in these examples, listen, like I said, I kept the names of the churches silent. But this is what happens when the church is not careful in how they appoint leaders in the church. You know, there's a lot of people in churches who serve on committees who are looking for a pastor. And it may not be a committee. You know, some churches do committees. Some churches don't. They just have some people that are helping go through resumes and things like that. But uh, they might be successful in the world. But that does not mean that they're qualified to choose a pastor for the church. And I want to discuss each of these qualifications that I just mentioned, and, and let me say this, I want to discuss each of these unbiblical qualifications and point out some of the dangers. So first, let's start off with this one. Qualification number one, ministry or theology degree required. Notice that, first of all, these degrees are required. What? Come on. And I always find this interesting because there's no biblical precedence for this qualification. None. And, you know, I've had conversations with people uh, about these qualifications, uh, and it, they always try to justify it with Paul. They're like, well, you know, Paul went away for three years and, and you know, before he started his public ministry. And I'm, yeah, that's, that, I know that. That comes from Galatians 1, 15 through 19. And this is, I'm just going to read it to you guys, and this is what it says. You tell me as I read this. If you hear any qualifications about a formal education or getting a degree of any kind. All right, so here we go. Again, that's Galatians 1, 15 through 19. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and return again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, which is Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, 
the Lord's brother. Now, what we can gather from these verses is that Paul went away. He clearly says that. I went away, and then after three years, I came back to Jerusalem. You know, so we understand this, that, that in the beginning, Paul was a new convert. And Paul apparently understood he was a new convert as well, because he didn't immediately go into ministry upon his conversion. No, but Paul took his time. And, and honestly, if Paul would have started preaching uh, uh, immediately upon conversion, it would have gone against the very qualifications that he listed in 1 Timothy uh, 3.6. And one of those says this, says he must not be a recent or new convert so that he doesn't become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. The context of this qualification gives us a full understanding of Galatians 1, 15 through 19. Paul didn't go away to get formal training or education. He didn't go to get a certificate. Paul was already a very educated Pharisee. He talks about this in, in the New Testament. Um, and he was a conceited, puffed-up religious zealot in his days as Saul, before his conversion. And Paul had recently been converted to the faith, and going away meant putting his old self to death. He had to put away all of his malice, his conceit, and his self-righteousness in order to be used by Christ. Now, this wasn't something a formal education told him. This was something the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and told him. And he was obedient to the Holy Spirit. And that is what 1 Timothy 3.6 is saying. In order for one to be qualified for the office of pastor, they must not be a recent convert. And this is to avoid becoming self-righteous and putting themselves in a place of judgment. And when Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. That's why he had to go away into Arabia for three years. He was crucifying himself. He was putting the new man on, the new man in Christ. He was learning how to let Christ live through him and in him before he before he went into ministry. And, and I truly believe, you know, when you read the writings of Paul, I truly believe the Holy Spirit was his teacher. The Holy Spirit was, they didn't have scripture to study back then like we do now. So the Holy Spirit was teaching him for this time. And we also see when he came back, he spent 15 days with Peter before beginning his public ministry. And I, you know, when you look at that, I, here's to me what going to Peter says, right? Peter knew who, who Paul was prior to his conversion. He knew what he was doing. He was persecuting the church. And Paul, here's Paul who, who you know, is, is converted to Christ on the road to Damascus, and now he goes away. Now this guy's claiming to be a Christian. The only way that he could truly get, let's just say Peter's blessing, right? We know that the Lord is the one that called him. Peter wasn't qualifying him, but to think of uh, licensing someone to minister or, or being ordained. Think of it that way. When Paul goes to Peter, he spends 15 days with him, half a month as we know it today, showing Peter evidence of his change. And when he leaves, he has Peter's blessing, and he goes and he begins to minister to the Gentiles. That's what we see here. We don't see that Peter gave him a formal education because we, we all know, reading Scripture, Peter didn't have a formal education. He was a disciple of Christ. You know, he followed Jesus, and Jesus sort of taught them, but let's be honest. A lot of their ministry was uh, involved a lot of trial and error. You know, they learned the truth. But 
ministry is not, there's no school that can teach how to do ministry. No school that can teach that. And I'm not saying, I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I'm not saying all forms of Bible education are bad. They're not. But listen, guys, I'm not, I, you know, I get so tired of having this conversation with people because they're like, well, you're just jealous because you you don't have a, a degree. I don't want a degree. I've, I've seen people go to seminary and be completely ruined in their doctrine and their theology. Listen, I have a Bible. I have a concordance. I have so many books and resources. I've done my own um, uh, 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 Bible courses out there, doing surveys of the Old Testament and New Testament, you know, reading all the minor and the major prophets and studying those in detail. Bottom line is this for me, guys. The Holy Spirit has to be the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the one who puts the call on someone's life. It's not a college or university. And we've got to caution ourselves against justifying these qualifications because we think it's fitting. You know, the second that we introduce something that adds to the scriptural qualifications, it's wrong. Bottom line. A a person who is called to be a pastor needs nothing more than the qualifications laid out in scripture, period. Bottom line. And what most churches or these committees don't realize is there are men and women going through seminary that are not even saved. Did you know that most theological seminaries, they don't even require salvation as a part of enrollment. And of those that do, all they care about is you make up a little story on paper during your enrollment. There's no interview where you can share your testimony or anything like that about your your salvation experience with Jesus. Nothing. So these people who are not even saved are going through seminary. They don't have a relationship with Jesus, but they're learning theology of the Bible and how to speak, uh, you know, with, with power and with passion and learning how to be funny. And they're leading churches across the nation. And I've got to ask, is that really what we want to bet the spirituality or the, 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 uh, spiritual maturity and the spiritual health of a church on is that really what we want to bet it on because someone has a piece of paper that says they went to seminary that they went to some bible college really i don't think so qualification number two previous pastoral experience god what a tangled web we we weave when it comes to pastoral search listen paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. The very man who wrote most of the New Testament, and he he would have been disqualified as a candidate if it came down to previous pastoral experience. Does that even remotely sound right? Guys, come on. We don't even have a symbolic reference of this qualification in Scripture, and I struggle to understand how a church could even suggest this as a requirement. You know, like I said, Paul wrote the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3. He wrote that. And he most likely used himself as an example of what we should look for in a pastoral leader. How then, how then could a church use a qualification that it would, would exclude, the, the, um, exclude the very man who wrote the qualification? How does the church do that? How does the church say, you know what, we're going to, yeah, you know what, we're going to require something that, that, that would actually exclude the Apostle Paul from being a pastor. Come on. 
I mean, do we honestly believe the best candidate for a pastoral role is someone with previous experience? I'm not saying experience is a bad thing, but it should it be a requirement? I don't think so. And here's the here's the good one, you know, uh, that that really caught my eye. Um, and it's uh, qualification number three. Right. And this comes from uh, the two of the examples that I gave, uh, the first example and the, the third example. And um, this I mean, honestly, guys, come on. Agreement with the church's confession of faith, denominational beliefs or the church's covenant. And I found it especially interesting in uh, in the example number three where the statement said this, it said, be able to teach orthodox biblical truth in agreement with biblical truth in agreement with that church's covenant. Wait, you mean we, we want you to teach not just biblical truth, but biblical truth that is in agreement with us. Guys, I'm seriously just shaking my head right now. Like as I read these, I mean, are you serious? At no time does the Bible ever mention coming to uh, an agreement with anything outside of biblical truth. I, I don't have to agree with your church's covenant. I agree with the Bible. I don't have to agree with your denominational doctrine. I agree with the Bible. And the bottom line is this. Not a single one of these real-life examples mention a qualification of being a born-again believer. I, I get it. I get it. I know what you're thinking, Sam. Shouldn't it be a given that if they're applying for a pastoral position in the church that they are a born-again believer? No. It should never be assumed that a person applying for this position is a born-again believer. Guys, the wolves are coming in um, uh, as sheep. They're, they're, God, they're disguised as sheep coming in and destroying the body. But this is what I know. Being a born-again believer should be the utmost, the foundational requirement. And when we, when we lose sight of this as the most important foundational characteristic of being a pastor, we have stepped outside the biblical qualifications of a pastor. And if salvation is by faith alone plus nothing, qualification for being a pastor is based on the Bible plus nothing. You know, it's I, I, I often wonder if churches are just so desperate to fill a position so quickly that they fail to do proper due diligence on their candidates. They take the easy way out by including unbiblical qualifications that would help them in the elimination process. No degree, uh, you know, just to give you a couple of examples, no degree, no experience, or no consideration. No experience, no consideration. If you don't agree with us, no consideration. At what point does the church actually follow the biblical model for placing people in these positions? And here's, here's what I want to do real quick. I actually took the time to sit down and write out what I believe are some true biblical qualifications for someone who is going into the ministry. And I want you to just listen to this as I read it out. And, and um, you know, just think about this, ponder on this, and you tell me if there's anything wrong. Feel free to comment. Feel free to shoot me an email, unshakable.ministries at gmail.com. And let me know what your thoughts are on this. But here's one I wrote. And I'm going to start, quote, he who desires this position desires a noble thing. It is the responsibility of church leaders to nourish with the truth of Scripture and protect the body of Christ from the influence of the enemy and this world. This calling is the highest of all in the body. 
And when filling this position, those who are tasked with the responsibility of finding a suitable person will take it seriously. These qualifications are non-negotiable. Must be a born-again believer who can demonstrate their experience of salvation through personal testimony. Must exemplify the character of Christ in all aspects of their life. Must be able to understand and communicate the truth of Scripture. Must be able to confirm their calling to this ministry through administrative, biblical, and teaching opportunities. Must undergo a series of interviews to exemplify the ability to lead people into a deeper relationship with Christ through exposing biblical truths. Must meet the qualifications as laid out in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 verses 6 through 9 as defined through a contextual understanding of those qualifications. All right, I want to pause right there for just a second and state what I mean by that one. What I meant by that one is if if it doesn't, if we're not looking at the original language these verses were written in, these qualifications were written in, we're missing the context of these qualifications. They must be defined as laid out in the original language as they were written. All right, back in session. Must be able to present biblical truths unapologetically for the purpose of spiritual conviction that brings about repentance in the lives of those they come in contact with. Must be able to clearly communicate the gospel message as laid out in Scripture. Must have a heart for lost people around the world. Must be able to counsel people by applying biblical truth to each unique situation. Must abstain from the very appearance of evil. Candidates for this position, once elevated to a pastoral position, will be placed on a 90-day trial basis to determine if they will be eligible for tenure in this position. A candidate who does not consistently exemplify the ability to lead the congregation as laid out above will be removed from that position in accordance with the following disciplinary procedures as laid out in Scripture. One, they will be approached and given an opportunity to correct any behaviors that do not line up with biblical truth or the above qualifications. Number two, if they are approached a second time for the same items, they will be taken before the church and permanently removed without consideration for tenure. End job description. Now, I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, this is just, these are just my thoughts. As I laid out, as I read through the Bible, you know, obviously in any ministerial role, whether you're putting someone in charge of a small group, um, Sunday school class, whatever you call them, you know, any type of ministry in the church or pastor, some of these fit all of those, but there are some that are specific to the pastor's role. So I would love your thoughts on that. Again, that's unshakable.ministries at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out. Tell me what your thoughts are. But here's what I want to say in in closing. The church can never step outside qualifications as laid out in Scripture just to fill these positions. We've also got to understand how serious this task is. Guys, this this is the bride of Christ that we're talking about. This is the body of Christ. Like, People's eternity lie in the balance here. Do we really want to rush this process? Do we really, really want to just assume someone has a relationship with Christ because they have a piece of paper or because they have previous experience? Do we really want to place people's eternities in the balance without them having some of the other what we know are biblical qualifications? 
It's not a piece of paper that qualifies a man. It's the Jesus inside them that does. We need to put our focus on finding the called person and allowing God to qualify them. You know, if they're born-again believers who clearly exhibit the gift of teaching and preaching, then those are the ones we need to nurture in these positions with patience and encouragement. And remember this, if the job description for a ministerial position steps outside biblical qualifications at all, it ceases to have a biblical foundation. In other words, the entire job description loses biblical merit and is invalid. Hey guys, that's where I'm going to leave you for this episode. Let's catch back up on the next one. Take care. Love you guys.